Welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at Pierre Howdy on Twitter. What's up? It's a down week. It's an off. I get a break this week. And um, so a couple weeks ago, I asked everyone on Twitter to tell me who they'd like me to ask to come on the Crossroads for the in between episodes where I just quiz other people about how they play Dynasty to try and learn some things and also just to give me a break from the writing of the more difficult episodes. Um, I really have to start checking who you all suggest though because every now and again I walk down here to interview someone and it turns out oh Jason Moore is the co-host of the Pharisee Footballers podcast and they're like a name and so unprepared under practiced I walked into an interview with Jason Moore and asked him about Dynasty and that's what you're about to listen to for 30 minutes really appreciate you all uh check out Jason at uh at Jason FFL or check out the fantasy footballers if you know you've never heard of them. Who are you and how do you play fantasy, dynasty, or some format in which I can actually, you know, have an opinion on? <laughs> sure. Do you only play redraft or do you play a lot of dynasty as well? Uh, no, no, we, we play a lot of uh, both Dynasty, Redraft, Best Ball. I mean, this is kind of life. So um, I love Dynasty. If you want to know what my Dynasty strategy is, it is to try to win every year. I'm not big into the tear it down, rebuild strategy. Um, I, I think that you can i mean I, I i know from from leagues we've played in that there are always teams that are competitive every single year going on a decade and they don't have the same team they started with at all and they never had a year where they couldn't compete it doesn't mean they win the championship obviously but like i i find that if you are forward thinking a little bit you don't have to be some high level genius you just have to be able to see the writing on the wall and know when to capitalize and get out of people for more than they're going to be worth in a year or two, you can pretty much recycle your talent and stay competitive every year. And and, th and honestly, I think in fantasy, whether it's redraft or dynasty, if you're competitive, that's all you got to do. You just got to be competitive. You can win a championship. That's it. I, I say it all the time kind of off of our show. It takes skill to make the playoffs, and it takes luck to win a championship. So if you can just be good enough to be in the top, you know, whatever your league is, four or six teams, just get lucky in the playoffs. You can win a championship. So what do the teams have in common, the ones that stay competitive? Or what do you think they have in common that you try to emulate or reproduce? Or yeah. Is there any one particular thing? Or? Well, I, I think uh, cycling running backs is a is a big part of it. You know, running backs' life shelf is so short that if you try to hold on to them long term it doesn't really work out in your favor so as soon as they've had a really really good year that you had the blessing of receiving um you know I I try to I try to get out of them I try to trade them you know you have the big giant Jonathan Taylor year and he's the 101 and that was awesome that you got it because you drafted him you know where wherever maybe the 102 that year behind Clyde Edwards Alaire and and then you are able to get a haul for him, and you can get a future piece that is just as good plus an extra one, um, you know, and, and then hold on to wide receivers longer term, quarterbacks longer term. It, it's really just a matter of, like, the longevity of the return 
is a worthy investment at wide receiver and at quarterback and a bad investment at running back. So I just try to try to cycle those players through and get young rookie running backs or second, maybe third year running backs and then move them when they do well. What do you try and move them for? Yeah, no, I, I try to move them for a young running back who is a little bit less proven plus a pick. That's that. And, and I've done it with wide receivers, too. Um, I, it, it sounds, um, you know, kind of more crazy now, but I, I traded Julio Jones towards the end of his career for CeeDee Lamb and a, and a first that turned into a high level first. So it was like when you can get the the young unproven talent that you know is going to be good, it's just not there yet, um, and add a first rounder on for a known vet, that, that, that's how you stay competitive, I, I think, because you just constantly um, – you keep your team good when you trade a great player for a good player, but then you give yourself the upside to be great by adding on the pick. It, you obviously got to hit there, but if you hit on the picks and your team was already good, then you've got depth and upside. Dynasty ADP's gotten a lot sharper, though, over the recent years, especially tracking it since 2014 using DLF. And I just I question how often you would get a Julio for CD Lamb. What year was that, by the way? How many top twelve seasons did Julio spit out after that point? Oh gosh, no. Um, I, I I would have to look that up, but it wasn't it wasn't okay. great. I mean, it, it it was not great from that point uh, on. Um, and maybe that goes back to some of those trade relationships that you were talking about. Um, yeah, that, that could that that other guy got because I I will say this. You know, you look at. Um, who trades in fantasy leagues, especially leagues where the people know each other a lot. And you're going to see the same teams trading with the same teams a lot. And the reason is because they have a relationship. They've got communication. They know each other well. They can chat about it, you know, whether it's the, they're around each other in real life or not. Um, ironically, this wasn't one of those situations. I traded with someone I, I usually don't trade with. But I do think that there are advantages to be taken um, when you when you know someone well and you mm-hmm. can you know you can convince them to do a trade as opposed to just get them to agree to an offer no i definitely think that's part of it lou pasiga like a senior writer at dlf senior founder if i remember right and um, he talks a lot about where most of us are playing in leagues or at least my experience uh, hopefully yours is different a lot of people's is different but uh, I, I play in leagues mostly especially to begin with people that i don't know they're, they're internet friends um uh, and so he talks a lot about the psychology of dynasty or essentially keeping a notebook for learning about your league mates what do they like to do what do they not like to do so you can develop those trade relationships which i think has always been a smart approach but a lot of work and it involves thinking about people which is not a lot of uh uh, it's not my strong suit because uh, I'm uh, a basement dwelling nerd. So that's difficult, but it's definitely a strong feature. And um, what I'm thinking about right now is how often those type of trades go down. For example, uh, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, both held in the top 12 dynasty ADP. It would be difficult to trade Tyreek or Stefan Diggs into them plus a first right now, since both of them are drafted below, for example. Now that, that's not a one-to-one for Julio because he was a unique figure, but I wonder, like, uh, are the names right now that stick out to you, young no, I, players or old I, players that you think that kind I of? Actually, yeah, no, I actually think you, you you're you're bringing up perfect examples of what I'm talking about. I just looked up the trade; it was 2020. Um, so 2020 was CD Lamb's rookie year. He hadn't broken out yet. We he was just you know uh, a high prospect, and mm-hmm. and Julio was coming off of being the wide receiver three, five, five, six, two, eight. So Julio is just known commodity a superstar, 
and I traded him for uh, a hopeful rookie plus a one. Well, that year, Julio finished as the wide receiver 53 and sucked. I mean, he never did anything again. So I got out right at the correct moment. Obviously, there's some luck in that. Now, if, you, if you're trying to say, oh, trade Tyreek Hill for uh, Garrett Wilson plus a first, well, you could never do that. But last year, last year, in, you know, when, when there was hope that Garrett Wilson was going to be great, but he hadn't broken out yet, you know, a couple weeks into the season or something like that. Um, yeah, you probably could have gotten a trade like that done three weeks in when Tyreek was hot and Zach Wilson was not. And all of a sudden, now, a year later, you're like, whoa, that would be, that would be insane to grab that. I, I know in our league, um, <laughs> uh, early on in the season, Garrett Wilson was tr- traded for just comical scraps and um, – uh, now they regret that. Yeah, I think increasingly being earlier rather than being later. Um, old curmudgeon at this point, we're talking about the wait and see approach, the third year breakouts that we think we know too early. Whereas now increasingly, again, uh, Chris Olave, uh, uh, Garrett Wilson, both finished outside the top 12, borderline top 24 wide receivers. And Dynasty across the board has had no, no hesitation in placing him in the top 12 alongside C.D. Lamb and Jalen Waddle and A.J. Brown. These phenomenal wide receivers who are all mid, if, even if they're at the midpoint of their career. I think cause we've learned to be, try to be earlier. Um, especially in-season trades, that uh, that bodes well. But that kind of rules out like last year's rookie class at this point, unless you want to take other players from 2022 that were disappointing um, in their rookie season that you still think might have that juice left in them? Or do you mostly approach in-season in a rookie year, like you were just talking about with uh, Garrett Wilson? I think both can certainly work. Like Traylon Burks, to me, is someone that, uh, you know, I, I know right now the reports out of camp are like he's – He's looking great, and so the astute dynasty manager might be, like, back in on him. But at the end of last year and through this offseason, I don't think people – you know, you, you don't know what the quarterback situation is. You're just not sure. But he would be someone that I would I would certainly target. I still have full belief in Traylon Burks and maybe the manager in that. That's certainly not a player where everyone just believes he's going to be a star still. Um, so that that could be someone you target. And, and – Again, you know, er, early into the rookie season, when a rookie is not hitting, but you still believe in the talent, I do think that that's a really nice buy window. Damn, Jason, I was hoping to clap you there with something actually recent. I was hoping to catch you in something and have some Sky Moore or David Bell arguments right now. Because <laughs> uh, breakouts after a disappointing rookie season, and you can measure a lot of different ways, but the, the percentages tend to remain about the same. Like 27, 28% of breakouts or players improve after a disappointing year one. Um, it's about 27 or 28% of the players are actually seeking or hunting um, in Dynasty. And so disappointing rookies are one of the areas I try and avoid. But Traylon Burks, they do happen, though. And so, someone like Traylon Burks actually does stand out to me. What about Traylon Burks keeps him on that list for you? Again, me as a, a de- degenerate basement dweller, I, I have like a spreadsheet somewhere, I'm sure, that demonstrates it. Um, but I'm assuming you as a ultra cool fantasy footballer have have a different method uh you know it's it's a combination i we really focus on analytics here but we also watch film we're not just complete spreadsheet bros 
Um, I, I am a spreadsheet bro. Love, love me some spreadsheets. Goodness gracious, I live in them. But I mean, um, fantasy football in twenty twenty three. You got to occasionally look at a spreadsheet. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you, you, you got to have. <laughs> I think you got to have both. So for me, you know, the targets per route run. When he was on the field, he was demanding targets. He was efficient with them. Like it wasn't like a Sky Moore situation where his opportunity to do something was enormous, and he did nothing. Because he's not good enough. That's my belief. You know, usually when mm-hmm. players get an opportunity and they just don't do it, well, they're not going to do it just like you're saying. Um, but with Traylon Burks, it was like when he got the opportunity, he did do it. He he looked good. He wasn't a full-time player yet. You know, he was playing 50% of snaps a lot of those games, uh, kind of in the doghouse. Missed, uh, you, you know, what, uh, six games to injury. Uh, missed training camp with injury. So it's it, to me, it's it's a little bit... Um, it's explainable the disappointment because of the injuries and when he was on the field, he passed both the eyeball test and some of the metrics tests that on an efficiency level that I look for. So, but I I would agree with you. There's not a whole lot of disappointing rookie year players. I prefer to target, um, you know, and and in season again, earlier is better. It's definitely, I like that aspect of it. You're looking at by week four, who still could break out by the end of this year. Um, but hasn't yet. Especially at wide receiver because wide receiver we've, we've looked at like I, for redraft leagues, which, you know, our show, the, the, we just launched the fantasy footballers dynasty show this last year. We're all, we're focused on dynasty once a week, but our main Mm -hmm. show has always been redraft and and we discuss dynasty because we play it. But we've always had a redraft focus, and so in draft season, over the last decade, and it's getting, it's changing um, a little bit more in the modern NFL. But for the most part, I have not liked drafting rookie wide receivers. I love having rookie wide receivers by the end of the year, but I'm going to pick them up off of waivers or acquire them in trades because for the majority of times, not always. Chris Olave did it backwards last year, but for the majority of players at wide receiver as rookies. Those first couple weeks are slow. They don't come out of the gate gangbusters. Even great rookie season finishes, you look at when it happened, and it's more often than, than not the, the second half of the year for wide receivers. So that's, that's where, you, like you said, two weeks in, four weeks in to a rookie wide receiver, eh, maybe scoop them up if they haven't done anything good, if you, you, know, if you believe in them. Quentin Johnston uh, this year comes out, looks like he's – third he's playing maybe he's fourth you know he's behind Palmer on the depth chart to start two three four weeks in has done nothing go go get him and targets per rat run is an interesting statistic I I think it's been misread a number of different times for example uh Christian Watson has a high targets per rat run I think it's around 23 slightly higher than Traylon Burks but I would consider him just this I would consider him more of a gamble heading into 2023 now, do you rely on the tape for that, or is it more reading the situation because Aaron Rodgers is gone, or are you actually still in on Christian Watson? You think he's one of the guys you go get since his his ADP's around, or not that there's one consistent ADP, but his value is probably around Traylon Burks. Like you could choose one or the other. Yeah, if if I had to choose one or the other, you know, if if they're if they're right next to each other. I probably still would go with uh, Christian Watson. I I like both players. You know, it's situational for targets per route run. Um, You've got some players where they are utilized in a role. Like, for instance, you know, Kadarius Toney. Kadarius Toney has an enormous 
targets per route run when he's on the field demands targets well sometimes that gets skewed because some players when they're on the field they demand that target but some players when they're on the field when they're small snap percentage players it's because they have a play designed for them like they're bringing that guy on the field to run this play and so yeah the targets per route run are enormously high because he's not running a lot of targets because he comes in for his role and that's kind of more the Kadarius Tony I didn't see that with Christian Watson Christian Watson I do think demanded targets but obviously the quarterback change there is the scariest part um, because you know I, I this offseason I did happen to watch all of his targets and um I, when I watched it, I was so impressed by Christian Watson. I think he's super talented. What an athlete. But I also went, man, those those balls are just coming right over defenders' hands. They're, they're just getting laid right in where he needed it. And over and over, I kept yeah. thinking, like, is Jordan Love going to be able to do this? Is he going to is he going to be able to hit him in stride like that? And so I, um, I, I saw a tweet minutes ago, like right before we came on the show, um, I think it was J.J. Zacharyson who was tweeting a great meme from the Pat McAfee show about his thoughts on Christian Watson. And it was, I have no idea. I have no idea. I believe everything is good and I believe everything is bad. I have no idea with him because there are, I mean, you can paint the picture so easily and so legitimately good and bad. I could make a case for why he is clearly going to be a bust and why he is clearly one of the, you know, the best young breakout capable wide receiver so uh, he is probably the hardest person to nail down for me but we can only make so many trades and where watson is back to back or close to in your league the people rostering them probably feel relatively similar they all trade them for relatively similar things is my guess on average you can only really go for one um because you can you only have so much value and so many moves you can make in a dynasty league honestly i'm not even sure that I would target him more. I would target him about the same, but if I had to pick them in, you know, with a gun to my head, the reason that I would say Christian Watson is kind of something that you've brought up, which is very, very smart, which is history. History is the, you know, we, we always talk about like the greatest indicator of future success is past success. And Christian Watson was more successful in his rookie year. He did it. He, he, he ran away from defenders in front of your eyes. They couldn't catch him on a handoff and, you know, 50 yards and a touchdown later. We, we know he can. Um, there's a little bit more projection with Traylon Burks. Now, earlier you said, like, trying to um, distinguish who to go after, uh, avoiding the Terrace Marshalls right. and getting the Garrett Wilsons. That aspect, when – when I'm making my decision is usually more film based because it's early on in a rookie year where they haven't done it. So you, you know, it's like, well, who did you believe coming in? What did you believe about the prospect? And for me, that's where I would make the argument for Traylon. Like Christian Watson was not as good a prospect. Wasn't as highly drafted. Um, I don't think looked as talented to me as a player um, so, and I believe I, you know, I think Traylon Burks was a little bit more, um, divisive people really liked him or really hated him. Um, and I was much more on the liked him side and maybe I'm biased cause I've got him in a handful of my dynasty leagues because of that now. Um, and I was a believer and I still am, but, uh, that, you know, when I'm, when I'm trying to decide who do I trade for, it's really the, the preseason beliefs haven't changed in two to four weeks, I haven't, you know, I haven't gone and said, well, now I know 
who's going to be great and who's going to be bad. I'm going to stick to kind of what I believed with all the time and energy and research and effort I put into it. And if someone I believed in is sucking, that's where I'll go after them. So, you know, it's like that when I, when I look at like value of first round picks in dynasty in rookie drafts, to me, there's only a handful usually every year that I love, uh, you know, this year in like a single quarterback league, when I get to like the, the the eighth pick I'm like eh, okay I'm kind of out like I, I like plenty of those guys but I'm not going to go target them going forward because I believe that they've got a higher than 50 percent hit rate I think that there's um I think it, it falls off quickly so you just find the guys that you love who sucked to start and you're not going to go get them for nothing you know it's not like you're oh they're bad for two weeks so you can scoop them up for pennies You've got to say, now I can actually get them um, because, you know, when you know, I'm just saying when you're, when you're in draft season and, and someone drafts the player because they believe in them, they love them. You're not getting that player the next day from them. You know, it just doesn't happen. No, um, it's actually something I, I really like. The fact that uh, value drops are just opportunities to go get them, not opportunities to suddenly get them less. I, I, especially in Dynasty where you obsess over rookie profiles, I think – you just, like you say, you have to go in on your rookie profiles. And if it goes wrong, you have to find out why and try and readdress your rookie profile process. Why Why did I get Terrence Marshall wrong? Which I didn't. But still, I was going to ask a little bit about Wondell Robinson. We only saw one good game, and it was his last game because he got injured pretty much straight away. But again, if you like targets per route run, he seemed to have that. He had an interesting college profile and did relatively well, at least in one game. Um, to his draft capital, do you take deeper shots like that at all? I'm only asking because I've asked, I've heard relatively little about about him, and he was one of the preseason hype candidates with lower draft capital. And I kind of like uh, some of what he did last year. I have I haven't traded for him or anything, so I thought I'd ask you. Yeah, um, Wandale to me was a player that I wasn't crazy about um, coming in. I I didn't hate him or think he's just got no chance to be successful but he certainly wasn't someone that I was very high on obviously that that last game uh was very very good for him but you combine like I'm not a huge fan of the offense he's in the quarterback situation the depth chart at wide receiver the coming off of injury and being the fact that it was um you know pre his NFL career I was not very bullish on him I don't find myself being a Wandale truther at all. I don't have him in any of my personal leagues. I'm not looking to trade for him. So that could be yeah. a mistake, but I'm not uh, I'm not a Wandale believer. Yeah, 2022 rookie class in general. Like, it's impressive, but average on the whole. And um, when you look at first-year performances, but so many of the points were scored by so few with good draft capital who we expect good things moving forward. It's a really interesting class projecting from this point forward but i don't think we're due a lot of unexpected or great values from a draft class like we've had three draft classes in a row that have been average or above average in terms of the value we've gotten out of them in their rookie year what i'm trying to sum up here is that i think that we're expecting too much from 2022 because we've had so much from the wide receiver position in general i don't think it's a year i'm going looking for too many too much extra and I even have questions about Chris Alave and Garrett Wilson because rookie players who do well in their rookie season, which they definitely did, but there's a note to them where if they get the full role of a 20% target share per game, for example, which both Garrett Wilson and Chris Alave did, 
but they don't break out into the top 12. It's not that they don't continually don't continue to be useful for fantasy. In fact, they produce multiple top 24 seasons and are great. It's it's a list with AJ Green and Mike Evans and Amari Cooper. They're all great players, but they also tend to have higher top 12 breakout years in that they went further into their career. And it tends to, more often than not, connect with a situation change, whether it's Amari Cooper going to Dallas. Because um, while year two is... I'm just doing a podcast by myself at this point, sorry. Um, while year two is the biggest volume jump for players of any year players who already got 20 percent target share or above a full role as i would i would term it and um, they're not the ones creating the jump in volume we can't expect a 27 percent target share because they had a 22 percent target share that's more 17 percent target shares jumping to 20 alave and wilson to me i think they topped out and while garrett wilson is getting a better quarterback so there's probably more hope I worry about Chris Olave because he's got Michael Thomas perhaps coming back. And I don't see a lot of reason to expect that team itself to help him have more upside. They should be in the top 12. That's fair. But I'm worried about their future. Uh, it it, it <sighs> makes sense. These are guys that they, they broke out already. They're great. And we're saying, okay, well, th- does that mean they're going to be you know a top six wide receiver in their sophomore year? Most likely, statistically speaking, no. Um, they, they won't. They'll, will they be a top 24 wide receiver for the next four years? Most likely, yes. And so there's a really good baseline with those guys. If you drafted them, if you have them, you, you hold on to them and you hope that they do level up. You know, both of them have changes around them that in the future we could look back on and say, well, yeah, he got Aaron Rodgers. Oh, yeah, you know, he got rid of Andy Dalton um for those guys and so you know their situations could very well be improved if you want like i would not trade for those players right now though i I would not because it's going to cost you more than what their probable baseline is if you have them and wanted to trade them away to capitalize on that i i wouldn't blame you if all you're doing is caring about the market but for me if i've got a win and i've got a player that's like okay he might not be a top six wide receiver but like He's a win. He's going to be good. He is good. He's going to score a lot of fantasy points. He's going to do it for several more years. He's at a wide receiver or a quarterback position that I know I can rely on long term or longer term. Um, I'm just going to hold those guys. No, I, I think that's really smart. Keep it simple, stupid, especially if, like myself, you know you make stupid mistakes. I, I think keeping it simple is the way to go. It might be the Julio Jones mistake, but they just seem like prime candidates with that level of value to do the opposite and that's kind of why i was interested in it based on uh, your past experience like um you could trade them for tyree kill or stefan diggs right now or even go a little bit further down and get those amari coopers as chris godwins mike evans and get draft capital on top so the opposite move but with the same intentions of having draft capital to a proven player but who's a little older and and that's kind of where my head's at in the 2022 class. But you're right. Mostly keep it simple. Most leagues aren't going to give you great values on Tyree Kill. You're probably going to have to go pretty far down to get it. Let me ask you about 2023. What do you think about the 2023 rookie class? Because obviously you're going to be watching the tape and the statistics because uh, you're a man of complete and all-around talents trying to figure out who's a Garrett Wilson. Is there anyone that stands out to you right now from this class that you're going to hope doesn't impressed through the first four weeks so you're going to be able to make one of those moves uh i could tell you if jordan addison gets off to a slow start i will certainly go after jordan addison i think his talent his role his team everything is lined up for like 
do I think he's going to be a top six guy? Not, no, I, I don't. Do I think he's going to be a top 24 guy for multiple, multiple years? I'm very confident in that. Um, so if Jordan Addison gets off to a slow start and K.J. Osborne looks like he's playing ahead of him, I'm going to be rooting for that uh, in leagues where I don't have Addison, and I'll try to go out and, and get him. Um, you know, I don't think you're going to be able to do it with JSN because he was, you know, the overall number one wide receiver. Um, I, obviously, people that drafted him, I think, are already expecting you might get a slower start because of DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. So I don't I think wondering. he applies. Um, I, I, I believe that if he gets off to a slow start two weeks in, four weeks in, his value isn't going to really change. Um, if it did, I would certainly go after him because I'm a big believer um, in him as well. But Addison would be the guy, um, you know, and then at running back, that's uh, that's a really interesting situation because you, you you don't really do the same thing at running back. Running backs, you you like I said, I cycle them young. I want them to ha- be good right off the bat. I'm not looking for them to be good for four years from now. I'm looking for them to be good this year and next year and trade them. This year and next year and trade them. Um, if it applied to someone, like I, I like <laughs> Zach Charbonnet quite a bit, and he could okay. obviously get off to a slow start being that he's – behind uh, a, a phenomenal running back in Kenneth Walker. Um, so that that would be an interesting tire to kick. Uh, you know, should he get the opportunity due to anything injury, I think he'll succeed at it. Um, yeah, but my main guy right now – and, and as far as the class as a whole, I kind of mentioned this earlier, there's like seven or eight guys that I really believe in. Yeah, and then really it pretty, like the class. And then it, and then it pretty much is like uh, – at that point, from then on forward, it's uh, it's just guys that I'm going to see what they're doing, believe in what I see, grab that. I'm not trying to project, um, you know, I kind of like to tank Bigsby. He's got a good role, but I'm not going to go after him because of a belief there. I still think that after those first seven or eight picks, or it would be, you know, 12 picks or whatever in a super flex, right. I still think that everyone else is a below 50% uh, shot at being good. Jordan Addison is him. You know, if there's, there's a guy I want to say everyone's too low on, no matter how high they are, it's Jordan Addison. I think it's really interesting that JSN has lower expectations. Because as we said, um, we expect good things from rookies in the rookie year by the end. And it's interesting you mentioned running backs. Right now, running backs are cheaper than usual, where it's been a while since 2017 happens, and we're still relying on them because they're still the best running backs. Um, so I think they're an interesting area to explore. Jason, the question I'm trying to get, or some version of it, I'm trying to get everyone out here on, is if you have a Dynasty League, what's the move you'll be trying to do in a Dynasty League right now? Um, The move that I would be trying to make right now would be to try to get Mark Andrews or Kyle Pitts, uh, one of those two guys. I think that um, they, you know, Travis Kelsey has been so dominant at his position and he has really helped people to championships. You know, I, I, t- I talk about how I, I try to always win and never rebuild. Um, there is one league that uh, myself and my co-manager, we, we, uh, we share the roster. And we are the champ three years in a row. And so we have decided to abandon our normal strategy 
and we are riding it into the ground. We we have the oldest team imaginable. Kelsey is on that team, you know, so we've got three championships back to back. It's Derrick Henry and Devontae Adams and Mike Evans and Travis Kelsey and just all the old guys where where last year we probably would have like flipped some of these guys, you know, for for youth and a pick. But it's yeah. like at this point, we're just riding it into the ground. But I, I do think that Kelsey provides or has provided a significant advantage disproportionate to other players because you got yes. long-term point differential at a position. And Kelsey's going away. We, we don't want to believe it, and we don't think it's ever going to happen, but it's going to happen. What is he, 34, I think, this year? And maybe he'll be great again this year. Um Will he be great again the following year? I don't know, but the tight end position sucks. And the only two guys that I could see right now that have a true uh, talent and ability and age to become that next uh, difference maker would be Mark Andrews and, and Kyle Pitts. So I want those guys on my dynasty squads. Jason, I really want to thank you for coming on. Um, I appreciate you taking the time to teach me a little bit about dynasty um, where can people find you? What are you working on right now that they should check out as if they didn't know? Um, please let them know. Yeah. I mean, the fantasy footballers were everywhere. You listen into podcasts. We've got our dynasty show, our DFS show, uh, and you can get all of our resources, tools, uh, draft kits, rankings, whatever at, you know, the fantasyfootballers.com. So if you just remember the fantasy footballers, you'll find us wherever. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got their lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that eye like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.